everybody, on a Saturday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Quest Live, coming to you from Quest Studios. We'll have to wait for everybody to come in. And of course, way up there in Canada, we have Judy on the line. Everybody, good to be here as always. Hope your day has been a good one. Yep, we'll have to wait for people to come in and they get the notifications, Judy. I got about 390 people on notifications on YouTube. Okay, so I haven't picked up yet either. Yep, and it's been a hot and humid day. Hello, Linda. So Linda's the first one in. Can you see me and can you hear me and Judy? Hi, Linda. Nurse Cindy. And Barbara. But can you see us? Can you see me? Can you hear both of us? Because I have no idea if you can unless you tell us. I can see you really good, John. Okay. Now we got to get the audio down, and we're ready to go. Loud and clear, says Linda. Very good, good, Judy. We got the green light from Judy. <laughs> good, good. It's becoming a Saturday night show. It's like a TV show, Judy. You got that right, boy. <laughs> You know, sometimes we forget. I mean, we always know that we have the group. And, of course, I started a new group, uh, Quest of Space. And I'm putting all things there that interest me. So if it interests 20 people, 20,000 people, it's up to them. You know what I mean, Judy? Right, for sure. And I, they've already shown some interest, John. I think everybody's got some interest in that. Yep. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel's with us. Hello, Professor Daniel Spino is in the house. I got a special thank you for Mr. Professor. And after I do my thank yous, uh, Judy. And uh, also, waiting for the World War II lost gold. I don't know where that show is. I haven't seen and heard a thing on it. So we'll be going back to just the quest of treasure. Uh, Egypt really... Uh, gets me going. A lot of things of ancient discoveries get me going. Treasures of ancient times get me going. So again, things that interest me are not going to interest everybody, but it comes through my feed, and I'll just post those pictures uh, to the Quest of Treasure. What do you think of that one? Well, and it's interesting for darn sure, John. There's a lot about Egypt that we don't know. Yep. Yep, and continually they find things and finding tombs and just unbelievable, unbelievable. And how they did these buildings, you know, how did they dig that uh, 180 foot deep vault system, whatever they're doing on Oak Island? But look at the pyramids, look at the things they built. How the heck did they do that kind of technology? You know what I mean? Right, for sure. I think we all ask that question. Yep. I mean, I don't go to the outer space guys. 
But, you know, I'm down to earth on that. I don't go to the big A word, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> I get you. All righty, guys. I got to get my thank yous in there for my QOOI, Templar Soldiers, Captains, Commanders, and Grandmaster. want to thank our new member, like I said, Friday, David C. He's a soldier. But for our captains and our Grandmaster, I want to thank Sand Dollar Ray, Barbara P., Todd E., Renee T., Roxy T., Mike Z., Annette H., Annette G, Jazdia, Wayne O, and Starlene S for their support. And also for the people that give me that extra support is uh, Judy and Barbara, Daniel and Mike. I thank you guys so much. And, of course, uh, Judy, you're on live, and I always thank you. You're welcome, as always, John. I'm always here. Yep, I really appreciate it. And our soldiers who are Scott D., Ken B., Curtis B., Michelle G., Dana M., Josh H., Virginia C., Gene M., Sydney O., Becky G., I thank you so much for your support. Every little bit helps, even though it's only $3 a month and YouTube takes 30%. Well, if we can get 50 people to donate $3 a month for upkeep, equipment, and such. It can put a dent in a lot of things that uh, a lot of people help me and myself. You know what I mean, Judy? Yeah, every little bit helps, John, always. But nowadays, you know, uh, 50 cents a week doesn't really cover much. It sure doesn't, does it? <laughs> and also, people out there, like I said on Friday, we got to get some stuff to Renee Tuttle. We got to get some Oak Island inspired items or something so we can put it in our group page. Show your guys' talent. We haven't had anything in a, in a while, Judy. No, we haven't, have we? <clears throat> I also want to thank... You know, thank... there's talented people out there, so get at it, guys. Yep. I also want to thank my moderators, Tammy, Judy, Renee, Michelle, Daniel, Starlene. Our call-in number later. Now, don't be afraid to call in. Judy's on the line. And it's all you have to do is in the text. Hi, Wanda that let us know you want to call in because my phone line's only one call in. She'll get off the line and the line will be opened up for you. So don't be afraid to call in. It's easy. Tell them, Judy, it's real easy. <laughs> if I can do it, guys, you can do it. And I know John loves to have you call. Yep. So somebody that. Just to have some different people on, even to just say hello and hang and not hang up. So, hello. Hi, John. Hi, what's going on? This is such and such, and be more of a participant. And that number is one three two three eight one three four one three five. I want to thank all my Quest of Oak Island Facebook group members. I want to thank my YouTube channel members and all my listeners on the Anchor Host Radio 
that goes to podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Breaker, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and Listen Notes. Judy, we had over 300 listeners on the radio side. Wow, that's great. That's good news. So they're chiming in from every city, every country, listening to us on the audio side, mostly on my Saturday night podcast. And if it's a good one on Friday, but Fridays are sort of uh, hit and miss, just getting acquainted with everybody and showing them what's going on. But mostly our Saturday audio, which I got to download to Anchor, and then they send it all over the place, was over 300 listeners. And that was pretty good. I was pretty shocked on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised, but it's a nice surprise for sure. Yep. Because I put in the heading, you know, what we're talking about, if it's Judy's on the line or Neil's on the line or David's on the line or whoever's on the lines in the description. And um, a little subject line of what we're talking about. And I also tell them also, if you want to skip the introductions, you know, go ahead 10 minutes. And that's when we usually try to try to get into the show. You know, Judy? Right. Yeah, and it works well. Hello, Richard from Rhode Island. Hello, Maureen. Hello, David. But um, we're turning it into a TV show, I think. Yes. I'm getting I the... Think, I think good. Judy, I'm getting the feel of these Saturday night shows are almost like people's TV show. Well, 8.30, John and Judy are on. We got to watch them for an hour or 10 minutes or whatever they say they do, you know? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people do look forward to it. And they can interact with us, which makes it really, really great. Yep. Hello, Ray D. And um, that's the good part. It's like interacting with your TV host, you know? Right. I love it. I love that part. I love it when people take take part and give us their opinion. Yep. We also have to give a shout out to uh, Jake Roberts uh, tomorrow night on his Ghosts of Bacon YouTube channel and Facebook channel. He'll be on 7 p.m. Eastern time, Sunday night, tomorrow night, Ghosts of Bacon, Jake Roberts. Okay, I want to give a special thank you and a special shout out to the professor. I had a smile on my face all day long. Hi, Cindy, the J&J show. I had a smile on my face all day long. When I got this video, I was like, oh, my lordy 40. And here it is. Hey there, John. This is Robert Clotworthy, the narrator of The Curse of Oak Island. Yeah, I'm the guy that says, is it possible? Could it be? What if it were true? And on Oak Island, two words I've said more than any other words in the English language. Say them with me. You know what they are. Word. More wood. More wood. Well, you're probably asking, why is Robert Clotworthy, the narrator of The Curse of Oak Island, reaching out to me? Well, Daniel. Yep. Daniel yep. reached out to me and asked me if I could convey a message to you. And the message goes something like this. <laughs> John, good luck on your quest 
of Oak Island. Great. How about that? Well, from all of us at the Curse of Oak Island, we obviously wish you the very best in your search. And may it be filled with Top Pocket Finds and Bobby Tassler's. Unbelievable. Could it be? More wood. Daniel, that was a good one. That was a good surprise. I thank you so much. What did you guys think of that? Oh, it was great. I've listened to him quite a few times now. He doesn't sound quite the same as he does on the show, but you know who it is. Yep, Neil. Probably because he's got to be in a studio. You know what I mean, uh, Judy? Some kind of studio. Right. Right. To make it sound like that, yes. Hello, Joseph Armstrong. Daniel. The professor, he's too much, uh, Judy. His posts are so excellent. His research is spot on. My group is so glad to have him. We learned so much from Daniel. It's just unbelievable. And that's why I tell some people I'll read a little bit of his post on YouTube. And to read the rest of his post, you have to join the Quest of Oak Island group to read his post and see the pictures you know what i mean judy right i i agree it does make a difference if you can read the whole thing and see the pictures right so that's sort of a teaser that they have to join our group to read the whole thing that's why you know i read some of it because daniel gets all the credit of all his work and uh i really appreciate it and some of those words are pretty big, John. I know. I can't say them. I have to skip over them. <laughs> when he starts putting in all those foreign words and 30-syllable uh, words, forget it. <laughs> I can barely... Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, I can barely speak English as it is. But, uh, Daniel, we appreciate you. Glad to have you. Alrighty. Very good, Daniel. Yes, Daniel. Looking forward to that one. Yep. We'll check it out. No doubt the best. Huh, Linda says, I can't wait for the book, Daniel. Got enough there for a book now, for sure. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, as you guys know, we'll uh, start out the show, I think, with a little bit of uh, Zena Halpern, her research. And to go back, a lot of these photos and screenshots are credited uh, by the History Channel. They're from old episodes. They're not new episodes. I got to tell people that. You think it's easy, huh, Daniel? <laughs> right, <laughs> right, Judy, they think this stuff is easy. It's not easy at all after a while. It, it, it's amazing, isn't it, how tired you are when it's done? I think because we have to focus so so much for that length of time. Yeah, No problem, Saturn, no problem. But uh, 
I wanted to go back in time and just to see how much data these guys got. I mean, Judy, I always say data overload now. You know what I mean? Right. And there is a lot. And they can't go through everything. They can't try everything. Hello, Mark. Thanks for coming in. But I think it's the point is they have to start putting X's on spots now and searching on the spots. Not paperwork again, paperwork and paperwork and paperwork. Even though the research is that, now is the time in the ninth year, okay, go to the spot, go to that spot, go to the spot, go to that spot. You know what I mean? Where data overloads, sometimes too much data just bogs you down. You know what I mean, Judy? John, and there's several sites there that they could just dig at now. That would be great. Hello, Jenny. Yeah, and, you know, as long as they got the permits, and also you got to see, you know, through the production company that you saw last year that I love showing behind the scenes, how they set up everything to film and where they're going and how they're digging and making sure cameras all over the place. You need some kind of control method like they showed us last season. You remember that, Judy? I do. And it was great to see that, just to know what goes on behind the scenes. Oh, man. Oh, man. And let me know when Jazz Dia comes in. Because with Sam Ball, he did die in Chester, but it was said he relocated. That's all I can find that Sam Ball died in Chester. And was said he relocated. Where to? They didn't say. Probably Chester. So Jez Dia asked me that question Saturday. Did he, you know, die in Oak Island? Hello, David. So I don't think so. You know what I mean, Judy? Yeah, it sounds like it, John. That's probably where he was at. Yeah, yeah. Because that's all I found. Said he relocated. So, of course, I went crazy looking for, but who said he went to get relocated and any kind of tie into that? Nope. And then it just went to his will, who got what, what got where, and that's all I ever found. So if Jazdia comes in, we're going to have to tell him. All righty. Let me get some pictures up here. You guys know I like pictures because my brain is fried. I got the fan on so I can breathe down here. Very humid and hot today, and I guess we're having a real hot and humid week, Judy. Oh, boy. Don't need that. You've had enough of that. I hope you don't have too many storms. Ready? Let me see here. And Linda says, the history jumps around to so many people. How do you piece it to one event on the island? You don't. Each person has a piece of their own. And time period, you know what I mean? Right, it makes it hard, John. Right. Yeah, there's so many, and so many pieces, and so much research to that little piece. And, and, okay, the next piece, the next piece, the next piece, the next person, the next person. It's just overwhelming. I just call it data overload, you know. Uh, But you could get that one data or that one research uh, method that you do find it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I wish they could stick stick to one thing and finish it before they start the next. Thank you, Sydney. 
I else can depend on Cindy. Cindy. <laughs> All right, here's uh, Devin Halpern, Zena's son. He did join my group when he was on the show. I didn't look up or even search on our member list if he's still with us. And Daniel says, intersecting time periods make it confusing at times. Yes, Professor. So this is when Rick went to uh, Zena Halpern's house um, after she passed away. And I always find these things interesting. Now, you see Rick here in the war room, right, guys? Hasn't come on yet for me, John. All right, no problem. There it is. He had a copy of the Cremora document. Either you believe it or not. That's up to you guys. I just present what I see, and it's up to you guys to believe it or not. And the book he has that he's looking at is there's the copy of Zena Halpern's Cremora document. All ready? Gotcha. And that's where Michael and Oliver on this Cremora document plus the Rusquall map figured out and gave a theory of the vault theory. You guys following me so far? Yes. <clears throat> this was found at uh, Zena's office. A page or a map. And all you guys used to ask me, and I finally got a picture. Where the heck did Xena get the map from? You know what I'm talking about, right? Right. Who knows where she got it? Okay. She was doing that for so long. Right. Another researcher who passed away. She got this book. Now, inside this book that Rick has right now, inside that black sleeve, if you can see it, is where the map was hidden. The French map. In the back of this book, in that black sleeve, hello, Virginia, no problem, is where the map was hidden. You see him pulling it out right there out of that black sleeve in the back of the book? Yes. Why would they do that? To hide it, Judy, to hide it. And there's a sleeve where the map was thrown into, thrown into, hidden into the back of the book. And there's the map that comes out of the back of the book that everybody tries to decipher, the French map. I never saw the book that it really came out of until now. What do you guys think? I don't remember. 
remember seeing it either. I probably did, but I don't remember it. And Daniel says it's very interesting that she gave all her research to Rick. Yep. What year is that book? I have no idea. I forgot the guy's name that uh, passed it down to her. I don't really have much details on it. But that's where the map was in. And that's what Rick pulls out to show people. It could, it's probably, you know, a copy of a copy of a trace of a copy, trace, trace, copy, copy. You know what I mean? Right. It's not the original sure map. <laughs> you know, it's not the original map at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. The book binding looks new. Yep, the book cover looks new that it came out of. Correct. And here's just part of her office that Rick has material from. Yes, Saturn, I'm not sure if they loaned the book to Xena or it was given to Xena. Like I said, I don't have the details on that. Somebody in here probably has more details than me. And Wanda says, I don't think she ever showed the book before. I don't remember seeing it. That's why I thought that was interesting. Daniel said she was working with Don Rowe. I'm not how you say it. Right. R-U-H. And I believe it was his book. Right. That's it. Don Rowe. I remember Michael and Oliver saying, because he has that book for sale someplace, the Cremora document. Yep. Okay. Okay. That was it. But uh, like I'm saying, I never saw that before. I never saw the book that the map came out of. So I thought that was very interesting. We see the map all the time. All the time the map is thrown at us at all different angles. But I never saw it come out of the book. So I thought that was interesting. What do you think, guys? Yeah, it is interesting because I don't remember seeing it either. Oh, would I love to get my hands on all that paperwork. So this is what I call data overload. Hello, Becky. Data overload. Imagine going through all this. We're still not even finished probably with Dan Blankenship's office yet. The Yabzina was a highly respected researcher in the early Hebrew language and artifacts. Correcto mundo, Professor. But just look at the material just here. Not Dan Blankenship's office, but Zena's paperwork. Right. Bags of bags of notes. Yeah, take a long time. Imagine if you walked into a room like this. Wow. Sydney, I love research. Well, this is all in the research center. 
Could be, Jenny. Could be. Jenny says, I was under the impression that she and Don were working on the book, a project together, and the book was part of the research, but they had a bit of it falling out, and the book was in her possession at the time. Yeah, that's what I thought, too, also, Jenny. They had a falling out, and something happened. And Mark wants to know, what year did Xena actually start researching Oak Island fully? I have no idea. believe she was doing it for a very long time. Daniel might know that. But no, she was mostly uh, Hebrew and uh, Templars and all that. And then Oak Island sort of just tied in towards the end of her research, not end of her research, but later on in life. You know what I mean? Right. I think her research um, sent her to the island, did it not? It led her there. No, it led her to her research with the Templars on the last book sort of directed her to that to give the stuff to Rick and Marty. But early on, there was no connection to Oak Island until, you know, that map was found and she can, uh, connected with them, which you saw on the show. You know what I mean, Judy? Right. Wish we could have had her a bit longer for sure. Right, right, right. And Linda says, wow, no wonder we haven't heard anything from this. It's going to be taking years to go through that. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Daniel says I'd lose myself in there. Can you imagine Daniel in there? (laughs) I I could help. Yep. Slickster. Looks like a job for a database and AI. Yeah. I mean, there is so much data here. But just got to keep on going through it. And she's got pictures, lots of pictures, photographs. Obviously, they're all keen on the map. You know what I mean, Judy? Yes. They're keen on the uh, Oak Island part. And there's their book. The Templar Mission. The Professor Spino would be in that house, be in the research center. We'll never get him out of there. I believe that. <laughs> you know, and they also said, uh, you know, did the Templars make a 1178 voyage to the New World? Ralph de Soleil. Did she not? You sure did. Yes. She believes they made a special trip to the New World in 1178 by Ralph Desolier. The Abzina was a very serious researcher. Yep. Very serious. So now all this stuff is in the research center with uh, Marty and Rick. All of it. Hello, Neil. 
Neil says it's like all this stuff should be on the TV show or something. Well, that's all they show us in the map. I mean, this stuff might not be TV show worthy, the rest of the stuff, but I'd like to hear it all, you know what I mean? It would be nice, at least more of it anyway. And just look at these boxes filled of stuff. Just unbelievable. And shelves. A lot of stuff. Okay, Daniel, where do we start? Unbelievable. That's all I can say. Yup, Daniel, a lifetime of work. lot of data and the history of the data you know it's not putting an x on the mark it's just showing who was there at what time and maybe what they brought you know what i mean judy right yes it would sure be nice to know more what's in there yep but i'm just saying i think it's more research on the relationship of oak island of who went there at what year Maybe what they brought, but as far as putting an X over here and an X over there, no X's. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right about that. I do. So, imagine what they have to go through on top of new stuff that they get on a daily basis. So, imagine the data they're getting from other researchers on the daily, stuff that they're finding on the island daily, plus all this information. Yup, Barbara. And that research keeps the uh, Canadian guys busy all winter. Yup, for years. Four years. Just unbelievable. Yes, Linda, some of the guys, uh, the Canadian men, do work on it during the off-season. Yep, that's all right, Mark. He says now he eats his words and apologizes because she was a bloody genius and so committed to find the truth. Mark, you gotta you gotta listen to the whole package, you know what I mean? Right. And people sometimes fly off the hoof. Like if I make a statement and somebody just flies off the hoof, you gotta see the whole package and make a determination after you see the whole package from the beginning to the end. You know? But some people are not like that. They make fast judgment calls. And I've learned as being on here on a podcast from August of 2016, you don't make fast judgments until all the facts are in and that was pretty nice of you saying that very good mark 
And then Wanda says she also thought that Henry Sinclair came over in the 1300s. Yep. Yep. Yep, Karen Zena was yep. one of my favorite people on there, and Lee Lamb. Yep, Karen. Yes, Lee's one of my favorite too. <laughs> Besides the guys, of course, she says. Yeah, Judy. How many times on Saturday or Friday when I was on? Well, here's Rick on the deck. Everybody would say, "What deck? What wood?" <laughs> Exactly. And I We're all busy looking at, at the guy. Yeah, and I'm kind of saying, what the heck are you guys talking about? <laughs> That's how thick I am, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, shoot. I guess you got to be a woman to get it, John. Yeah, I'm saying stay in the deck. Oh, what deck? Stay in the deck, clean the railing. And you guys are all the girls and everybody looking at the at Rick. I said, oh, learn something, though. But just to show you for dead overload, you know, what we got. You know? You know, I'm thinking it may never get um, all of it. They may never get through it all. And uh, Neil says uh, his favorite's Billy. <laughs> to admit Billy's a pretty good guy. Yep. Seems like very easy going. Alrighty. Now we're going to get a little bit into let's see here. This guy. You guys ready? We're ready. Daniel says, a lot of Zena's research was controversial to many old school historians. Yeah, everybody's, when everybody comes up with a new idea or a new system or a new method, Daniel, there's always backlash. You know what I mean, guys? There's always backlash. Right. And you see it a lot online uh, about the show itself wondering why these guys are still after this treasure. You do see it a lot. Yep, you just got to stick with it right to the end, Judy. We stick with it right to the end. You got it. Well, you guys know who this guy is, right? That's Fred. Yep, this was Fred Nolan towards the end of his life. Talking to Rick on a picnic table. And I'm just saying my theme of the first two segments was uh, data overload. Yep, Linda, sad they didn't get him to talk and share things earlier. But that's life. That's life.
There's Jenny's. Persistence. Yep. You'll find out either way, good or bad. You know what I mean, Jenny? Right. Mark says Fred always knew the swamp was the center of the storm, and I do agree with Mark on that. Yep, Fred was the swamp guy. But Fred and Dan, old-time treasure hunters, kept everything close to their chest right to the last minute. If I have to work hard for it, I'm just not going to hand it over to you. You're going to have to work just as hard as me to get that information. You know, Judy? Right. It sure seemed that way. Too bad they couldn't have worked together. Yep. And I'm just saying, it's like, not nowadays, everybody wants to be a partner. Everybody who's got one goal, it's more togetherness. But in the old-timer days, you got to realize how strict they were. It's just unbelievable. And Karen says, I'm waiting for the rock talk. We're getting there, Karen. We're getting there. (laughs) (laughs) These guys are on the ball. Now, as we're talking about data overload, we know Fred Nolan plot maps and maps of the island Steve Guptill has. So we know Steve's got his maps, the survey maps. You know, Judy? Yes, thank goodness. Because we saw a little clip that uh, the Oak Island Taurus gave us that he said, melting the old with the new. You know, like I showed you, the GPS data and the maps that I had to draw in pencil from the old way to the new way. So you know that information of maps from Friend Nolan and survey markers and benchmarks are being seen and being recognized by Steve in 2021. You know what I mean? And wouldn't it blow Fred's mind to see uh, what uh, Steve is doing with them all today? Oh. So different. Yep. So here's a little bit that I want to know. Is of course, I see this. Are you guys ready? This is Fred Nolan's data. I hope this notebook is in the hands of Rick and Marty Lagino. This shows a detailed map of the Nolan's Cross. In detail, the guy was a detail guy. Fred Nolan plotted everything he saw. And just look at the thickness of this notebook, Judy. Yes. I'm sure I wouldn't understand a, a third of it. But I'm saying, again, data overload, but data that we need to solve this puzzle. 
Chris, the Starman Dona in the house. I think Fred died with many secrets. I'm thinking Tom knows more than he shares with the team. My two cents, Chris, I'm with you a thousand percent. Sometimes family secrets, you go to the grave with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's sad because maybe if he gave us some of that info, we'd be a little farther along. Yep. But that's how you get the feel of somebody, by their actions and what they do. You know, Judy, you don't know if somebody is good or bad until you're with them, and when they make that mistake, or if they turn on you, you only have to have a result from their actions. You can't do anything if they're doing everything perfect. You know what I mean? Right. I gotcha. You know, you can't make a you can't make a move unless they make the first move. I don't know about Dave Blankenship. I think he's pretty much out there. He lets it all uh, w- all go. He's not like a Tom Nolan. But, uh, I agree. I mean, we only get this, obviously, I don't know these people. I, I sort of know the guys that come on the show here. But as far as David and Tom Nolan, you just get the sense of their personality, you know, from the TV show. I can't really judge them from a TV show. But sometimes you still get a good feeling on a little bit he says and what he does, you know, what kind of people they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, you do. Yeah, Chris, right on this right on this notebook is the position of the stones. See this notebook I got up? Now, I don't know if the stones were moved, that he was looking underneath the stones. I don't know uh, the original plot of the original stones before he was looking underneath them. But this notebook sure shows the cross right there. And Chris says, I think Dave gave it all to the team. Yeah, he gave it all. But um, as far as looking for the original positions of the cones of the cross, it has to be in this notebook. You see that, Judy? Uh, Yes. And I think it probably is. And um, then he moved them. I mean, if I'm a surveyor, I don't move things around first. I plot them as I see them. You know, how did the stones get there? I have no idea. And the exact measurements, that's all on the surveyor's end. Plot it up, and then you either look underneath or drill around them to find whatever you have to find. But that's my own personal opinion. So when I saw this notebook, I'm going, well... Does he have that little 
Satchel full of notes. Is this the time that Fred Nolan gave him that information? Yeah, we don't know that, Mark. I know I got a picture of Fred Nolan drilling around a couple of stones. But as far as picking them up and moving them, not sure on that. Chris said, Fred did move all of them except Cone C on his beach. But you're saying move them, Chris. He replaced them back in the same original spot after he looked underneath them, I hope. You know what I mean? So I was just wondering on this information with uh, Fred Nolan and the Big Thick Notebook, if those were the original distances of his work. Well, Steve will find out. I think he will. Yep. So that was my little data dump with uh, Fred Nolan and the data that you saw at Zena's office. And then Chris says this. I can't remember the book, but there is a first-hand account of Cone A being 15 to 20 feet away from its original position. But we're going to have to look up that stuff. That's what we want to look up. Thank you, Chris. All righty. Now that brings me to cone E. The bottom boulder on Nolan's Cross. That's a granite five ton or more boulder. On season four. Here we go. You guys ready? We're ready. Judy's ready. All right. This is the bottom boulder. Cone E, like what Aaron said, there's a shaft or something towards the uh, end of the cross. You remember that, Judy? Yes. Wow. <clears throat> so they had these rock experts coming over. This was on season four. But I didn't think anything of it as you watch these seasons and watching the rocks and the swamp and the money pit and Smith's Cove and such, you know, Jody? Right, yes. And and some things you just miss. All right, Chris, anytime. I just yes, throw I just throw you the link and come on. But when I saw this, Chris, on Cone E. I missed a couple of things that they were saying. The bottom boulder. Now, guys, this is the bottom boulder of the cross, of Nolan's cross. 
this struck me as funny. A granite boulder are not smooth. They said, awful smooth surface there, isn't it? I don't think it's natural at all. Smooth surface on a granite boulder. How did this boulder get smooth on the bottom? Was it hauled from around the swamp on the stone paveway? How does it get smooth? Is it a natural smooth that the glaciers receded and made it the bottom smooth? But why just the the bottom 20 inches? Why isn't the whole boulder smooth if it's in a glacier? It's smooth from dragging. When he said, I don't think it's natural at all, and I always said, well, how the heck did they even make the cross? You know what I mean, Judy? Right, for sure. How did they get those stones in there? You know, how did they make the measurements and put them stones over five tons, ten-ton cone-shaped boulders? They had to drag them there. By oxen, on stones, but it would get that smooth just going short distances. On granite, I don't know how much granite smooths out as far as you dragging it, you know, on logs or on rocks. You know what I mean, Judy? Yes, and I sure have no idea. So we're getting everything that we know, the stone pathways. We don't know where these boulders came from, the beach end, the swamp end. We have no idea how this cross was made. Chris says, making the cross without creating a huge footprint on the island to give away their secret. Well, if you're dragging a five-ton boulder, you're going to make a rut. Or they said, Chris, uh, they did it in the wintertime. They drug them on uh, the ice. You know what I mean, Judy? Yeah, and that's certainly a possibility, I guess. You know, if you got to move these boulders when it's frozen, when the land's frozen. So it wouldn't create a huge footprint. It just doesn't appear natural. Let's see, when we get this in season, what season was this? Season four, we didn't have the details up to season eight. You know, like the stone pathways, uh, the swamp area. We had no idea, even though they knew in 1795 that the stone pathways were in the swamp. Now you sort of relate back to what you know now. You know, Judy? Right. And perhaps come up with some better answers. That's what those huge boulders along the road with the hook bolts, or whatever they're called were for, the anchor bolts. 
to make this Boulder Cross, Nolan's Cross. So you know what I mean, guys? I try to look back on what the information we have now and try to tie it into the information we just had like four or five seasons ago. Yup, Chris, they would remove a lot of trees, not only to dig the trenches for the ice, but for the line of sight to align them. Yeah. And if they came for the swamp, we would never know because it's all under the muck. You know what I mean? Right. It would be hidden. It would be hidden in the swamp. And, of course, the trees had to be cut down on the location of all these boulders on each one. Just seems very strange. Look how flat, look how smooth the side of that boulder is, Chris. Can you guys see it? Almost looks like it got cut with a diamond blade. Can you guys see that? Yes, and it sure looks like it, John. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for coming in. How do you get a cone boulder that looks like it's so flat on the end that it's like cut with a diamond blade. It just blows me away. I just, I, I don't know why I didn't see this before, Chris. I bolt saw. They didn't have any way of doing that, did they, John, at that time? Cutting it like that. No, this is from moving. This is from dragging. Or as some of them say, this is from the glaciers moving. When the glaciers receded, you know what I mean? It made all these shapes and lakes and rivers and everything else. Right. So also, like Chris, I was looking for the other boulders. This is the only boulder I see that's visually smooth on the bottom. Maybe the rest are buried so deep that they didn't see it. But now I want them to actually excavate each boulder and see if there is a flattened bottom to each one. You know what I mean, Chris? Yep, so is it cut, or is it from being moved, or it's from the glacier? I got to get Chris on here. Be a good idea. Maybe he's got his pajamas on. That's why he don't want to come on. <laughs> yep, Egypt figured it all out using levers and sleds. Yep, but as far as a granite cone getting only flattened on the bottom. The only thing I can think of is movement. That's all I can think of.
So when I saw this flat inside, and then the face of America think the oxen dragged them. Yeah, from whatever reason, from whatever reason, from whatever uh, position on the island to make this cross. But we got to find out if the other boulders, Judy, are all smooth on the bottom. Yes, Chris asked that a minute ago. He said he'd like to know that too. Uh, yeah, we do need to find that out. Why would just one be that way? So we all see that flat side that's unnatural. So that was driving me crazy. I couldn't wait to show you guys. I never saw that before, even though I heard him say it's not natural. But for some reason, it went right over my head. Well, I know, John, from doing the synopsis, that in each episode, there's so much to take in that it's always a good thing to go back and watch it again. And Annette B. says they had to take a lot of oxen and manpower, so you would think there would be something left from having that much activity in the area. They need to excavate the whole area. Yup. But for some reason, Judy, this didn't really ring a bell when I saw this program until now. Well, I know I missed it. And we ask, you know, what did they make Nolan's Cross for? Why are these boulders in this position? What about this? What about that? Who did it? Where did the boulders come from? And Mark says, easier to drag on the smooth side. It would make sense if it's stone, if it's the only stone. And had a flat side be in the farthest stone, maybe on the whole other side of the island. But you're not going to hit rocks all the way. You're going to hit dirt and everything else. You're not going to. You're not going to have a stone pathway that it grinded down like sandpaper. You know what I mean? Right. You're going to go through mud. You're going to go through grassy areas, hilly areas. Not unless they made a trench, and then it froze in the winter and they drag it down. But then it wouldn't flatten out in ice. You don't grind down granite on ice you know judy yeah i can't see that happening so that just sort of got me crazy and here's the phone call phone call the phone line up if you want to give me a call the phone line is open. Let us know in the text, in the chat, if you want to make a call before we end it up tonight. And uh, Judy will get off the line and just call in on your ideas. This is a group participation. I like all you guys getting involved. Yeah, and that's, that's not weather. That's not weather beaten flat. That's too too smooth. And Mark says, maybe man-made flat beforehand to drag it easier. That's a possibility. But we know it's not from the weather, you know, Judy? Right, for sure, no. Something's done that. Yeah, because look... 
Go ahead. Some tool or uh, the dragging process. That's the only thing I can think of. You know, because why is the other type of the cone like a cone? Why isn't the top flat, the other side flat? Right. So that got me going. They got me crazy. It would be great if they could take the time to uh, dig at each one of those stones mm-hmm. and let us know what's there. Yep. Mike Wellington, that was one stone mason. Mark Fogier, another stone mason. Says it's just not natural. You know what I mean? There's the whole stone as it seems. And just the bottom is squared off that one side. So like Chris says, are the other boulders, do they have the same characteristics? That's the question, Judy. That's the big question. Yes, it is. I had forgotten how large that boulder is. It is big. Over five tons, they said. And this is the bottom boulder. You know, Erin said that bottom boulder in her directions could be the entrance of the vault. Um, So there's a lot of things going on with this boulder right here, the bottom boulder, cone E. And Chris says they need to clean them all up to look for carvings. Yeah, we got carvings all over the island, except for on Nolan's boulders. Why is that? They, right. they would have said something, except for that knife-typing face middle headstone on Nolan's cross. But all the rest of the boulders, they never said that if there's any carvings on any of them. They must no, have, they, they never did. They must uh, power wash them off by now. You know what I mean? Just to check them out. We think so. Tammy's with us. Hi, Tammy. Good to have you home, on. Where is she? Hello, Tammy. I don't see her. Yeah, just come up. Says Tammy Williams is watching. Very good, Tammy. Hope you're doing okay. The center stone, you're talking about the face stone, right, Chris? And I'm pretty sure they've been there for... uh, 13, 14 years. I'm pretty sure they power wash these boulders off. If not, they got me scratching my head again. Tammy Williams in the house. There she is. Glad to have you. We are. We missed you. The whole the gang is saying hello. But, uh, yeah, Tammy, we're talking about Coney, that bottom boulder, about the smooth side on the bottom. And um, how it was dragged there, where it came from. Yep, Chris, the headstone. That's all I remember on the headstone, Chris, was that knife imprint in the face. I don't remember any carvings other than that. 
but then my mind is getting fried by the week anyway, so. Wouldn't they have to carve the face? That wouldn't be natural, would it? No, it won't be natural. No, they carved the headstone, the face, and then on top of the face, there was like a, a dagger-looking uh, uh, item. And that was under, I think, uh, six feet of dirt that Fred Nolan found there. And Chris says, no, there's more. Okay, we got to see. We got to see. And remember, they have to look under Fred's shed, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, Tammy's been saying that forever. Look under Fred's shed. Who knows what's there, guys? Who knows? Unbelievable. So that's about all I got really for tonight is a media overload, paperwork overload, notebooks overload, Judy. Right, John. You certainly uh, proved that tonight. And Tammy Williams says the golden egg is under the shed with LOL, smiley face. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Hopefully we'll find out, Tammy. Yep. One of these days. One of these days. One of these days. And don't forget, uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, you got Jake Roberts on the Ghosts of Bacon, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, on his YouTube channel and his Facebook page group. If you're interested, he'll be on tomorrow night at 7. And then Linda says, no, the Eye of the Swamp, the plug. Here we go back to the Eye of the Swamp. That drives me crazy, Linda. Daniel says, could you imagine if that's where the vault is under his shed? (laughs) Oh, I'd really crack up on that one. That would flip out on that one. For sure. So we'll see where they dig this year. That's all we heard was that they uh, were draining the swamp and everything's been quiet as a church mouse. Yes, it has. Nobody has said anything. Nobody's doing anything, but we got the uh, photograph of the map scanning remote drone in the ocean. We got them painting stakes of all different colors, survey markers. So you know they're doing something. Some beautiful sunsets, too. Yep, and we got uh, Steve Guptal, got all his uh, boots and pants uh, dirty, too close to the drilling, so they're drilling something. <laughs> and obviously, they're drilling for Spooner Silver, looking for the source uh, of the silver. And that's all I got. Nope, Don, they haven't found the magic beans yet. 
But going into the ninth season, you know, people want things being found or not found in checkoff. You know what I mean, Judy? Yes. I, I would like it if they could just start checking off some things for sure. Yep, Tammy. I want an answer. Yep. Yep, Tammy, that was from the uh, water samples. Uh, the highest concentration of silver was in C1. So I guess they got to look around the island to see where the source is. They're already there, uh, Linda. But I don't know about if they want to get a big dig going as far as equipment. I don't know about the, uh, the COVID uh, raisin again. So... Who knows? Got to play it by ear. Yep, Spooner Silver, Tammy. That's what we call it, Spooner Silver. Does anybody want to call in? I'll leave it up for a minute or two. I doubt if I'll be on Tuesday. If I get anything of uh, newly news, I'll come on Tuesday, but we've got to try to save it for Saturday because uh, news is very limited. You know, Judy? Yeah, there's, there's sure not much there to talk about, is there, John? I think uh, next Saturday we'll try to give away. i got a couple of mugs left. We'll do trivia next Saturday. Good. I'm waiting for Joan McGinnis to call me back. I'm waiting for uh, another person to get a hold of me. I got three people that you talk to them silently for two days, and then you don't hear from them, like, for five days to a week, and all of a sudden, well, what happened? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so we don't know until they let me know. I'll let you know. And we always can do it on the fly, you know, according to their schedule, when they want to come on. You know, Judy? Sounds good, John. So we'll set up for this Saturday on Facebook only. will be uh, a trivia night. If I have any kind of Oak Island news, that will be on YouTube and Facebook. And then take a break from uh, YouTube and come on Facebook like we did before. And um, I started another group. Uh, Quest of Space, people want to go there, and then the Quest of Treasure, which is also equal to the Lost Gold of World War II. I'm putting all kinds of things on there, Egyptian things, and basically things that I like, that I seem interested to me, hope interests you. If not, no big deal, because I don't want to intertwine all three things into one. You got Oak Island, and that's just Oak Island. I think that's a good idea. Yep. You got the future of space travel and all the new technology that uh, Elon Musk is turning everybody on their heads. That's another channel. And the treasure channel, it could be anything. Treasure, Egyptian treasure, uh, World War II treasure. And I, I leave that there because I want to leave Oak Island, the quest of Oak Island, mainly just for Oak Island period. So let me take the number off here, Judy. Okay. 
Let me get my face in there. And there we be. Um, so you guys remember about all the data that Zena had at her house, right? Or, or did I refresh your memory? You did. I didn't realize there was that much. Then, of course, you know, Daniel surprised me with uh, the old Robert Clothworthy moment. So I had to recognize him. Well, that was pretty deep. I, I enjoyed that. I've played it several times. Yep, Tammy, we know something's coming. But uh, we'll just take it as it goes, day to day. Just go forward, like I always say at the end of my my live streams. Can't control nothing. So have a glass of wine, sit back, have some crackers and cheese, and uh, take life, whatever it brings you on a daily basis. You know, Judy? Yeah, for sure. One day at a time, John. That's how to do it. Yep. Like I said, we'll be on next Saturday for trivia. I got to give Michelle uh, something to do. Oh, my God, I don't know how she does it when I do the the 50 questions. And uh, she straightens all that mess up. <laughs> you know what I mean, Judy? Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, that, I think um, Michelle's great for doing that. I, I would get lost. Yep. I only got three mugs left, so maybe we'll give two away again. And then the last mug, I'm trying to get 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. It's almost impossible to get people to subscribe to my YouTube channel. I don't know what it is. It's free. They just hit the subscribe button. We're stuck on 1,700. I wish people would, uh, or partial people of the 71,000 people in my group, would just go to my YouTube channel. If you have a Google account, and just hit the red button of subscribe. That's all you got to do. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. And, of course, I do have my little paid channel. That's the same. You get the same information. But you get access to me. You get things that I'll put on there before I go public. You're going to have shirts, T-shirts. We're going to have coffee mugs. The higher the value and level, the more of the discount you'll get. So there's a lot of perks on there. Just take a look at it. But as far as people subscribing to our YouTube channel, you get like one every six weeks and then two leave. Same thing on the paid channel. Five join, six leave. So I wish we get some consistency someplace, or maybe that's how it is. I have no idea, but it does help out, Judy. It just helps out if they can take time, hit that subscribe button, because it shows that your channel is growing. Right, guys, and it's not like you have to be watching it all the time. Just just uh, subscribe and uh, be counted. That's all it is to be counted. That shows me support. You're supporting me as you subscribe, and it would be fantastic. And the 2,000th subscriber will get a free Quest of Oak Island mug mailed to your house. And uh, at this rate, it'll take about two years to get 2,000. <laughs> <laughs> But some people we might be around for that long. You know, but some people, you know, I understand a lot of this is not for them. 
They just go to Facebook and that's it. I understand that. But I'm just saying for the people that don't know and are watching my YouTube channel now, please subscribe to my channel. Not this button. That's on my wall in my studio. But there's a little subscribe a button on the lower right-hand corner. Everybody's waiting to be in line for the 2,000 criticism. Well, we need at least 250 people. So that's it for that. Uh, Judy, you want to say your goodbyes, and uh, we'll tighten it up over here. All righty, everybody. Have a good week. It's been great to be with you again. And uh, remember to stay safe, please, and be with us again next week. Good night, John. Good night, Judy. We'll be talking to you soon. Okay. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, guys, thanks for coming in tonight. You guys are the best. But remember, always go forward. You may get a setback, but always go forward. Believe in your dreams, guys. No matter how old you are, you have that dream, go for it. You stay positive. You be mentally tough. In these crazy, crazy times, you be strong. That's how we're going to survive here. If not mentally tough, there's a lot of people out there that you can get help with. Please seek help. You guys stay safe. You guys stay positive. I thank you all for joining me tonight. I thank you to the people that participate with me. If somebody comes on that wants to come on the show, PM me, no problem. Anything that comes up, check my uh, post in my Quest of Oak Island Facebook page. See Jake Roberts tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Ghost of Bacon. And we'll go from there. I thank you for all people that came tonight. And you guys are the best. The best group members you can imagine. I thank you and good night. Bye-bye.